Welcome to the Mentium Matters podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. This is Solveig Brown, and I am thrilled to be continuing my conversation on resilience with Dr. Roz Tsai. In part one of this episode, Roz walked us through why resilience is especially important during this time that we are living in now. She talked about gratitude, grit, grace. She offered some great ideas of habits and mindsets we can adapt to be more resilient. And she also talked about what leaders can do. In today's episode, we are going to discuss what career resilience looks like. As we all know, goal setting season is upon us. Beyond the usual New Year's resolution suspects, such as eating better, getting more fit, and building better relationships, many people are also thinking about setting goals to advance their professional careers. Today, Roz is going to offer us a roadmap for navigating our career journeys. Before we begin our conversation, I would like to give you a little background information on Roz. Dr. Ross Tsai is Vice President of Talent, Learning, and Organizational Effectiveness at Thrivent, where she leads talent strategy, talent acquisition, talent management, leadership development, and organizational effectiveness efforts. Previously, Roz served as Vice President of HR and the Chief Learning Officer at Ecolab. She has also held transformative leadership roles at Honeywell, Lawson Software, now Infor, and Northern States Power Company, now Excel Energy. Ross has developed a unique and strategic approach to creating diverse, inclusive, and high-performing teams that drive enduring business impact. She holds a doctorate degree from the University of Minnesota, where she currently serves as adjunct faculty for the Carlson School of Management, teaching global talent management for global business executives. Ross went through Mentium's program as a mentee and has been mentoring for Mentium since 2008. Welcome, Ross. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's so fun to have you. I'm so glad we get to continue the discussion. If those of you, if you haven't listened to last week's episode on resilience, I highly suggest that you do. There are just so many good tips and practices in there. So today, this is such an important topic, talking about career planning. So Raz, how do you think about career roadmaps in this world that we live in now of hybrid work and many disruptions? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first of all, thank you. Thank you for having me back in, in, in these really stimulating conversations. So Vic, uh, I really enjoyed this. So I, I feel that I'm particularly qualified to talk about career roadmaps because my personal career roadmap didn't have a plan. I, uh, I, I grew up uh, in China, finished university in China and came to the United States uh, for graduate school didn't actually have a real clear direction and the plan other than, you know, I loved going to school, I loved learning and thought that through hard work and um, something will clarify itself. And that's kind of been uh, the journey that I've been on. I've had a lot of different opportunities in uh, different organizations, uh, great uh, leaders who gave me opportunities, wonderful mentors who coached me along the way. I kind of found my own career path out of curiosity and hard work and just simply uh, great leaders who 
took a chance on me in many circumstances. So I get to reflect back on what works and what might not uh, work as well for other people. And I've taken it upon myself to actually study uh, what, what experts say about careers and how to have a long and resilient career. So in that sense, as a student about career and as a person who really didn't have a plan, I enjoy talking about career roadmaps uh, for professional and personal reasons. So I think about career roadmaps now, both in long-term and short-term frameworks. So when we think about long-term career planning, I encourage uh, everyone to really think about what is really important long-term in terms of your values, your life priorities, and, and use that as a way to guide how you plan your next uh, development focus or career moves uh, in the short term. So a really helpful resource is from Dr. Beverly Kay, a career guru in our space. Uh, she recently had a, a book called Up is Not the Only Way, which I found was so helpful. You know, it's very accessible, very easy to read, uh, but very full of practical wisdoms that, you know, it's not all about how do I earn that next promotion? Rather, how do you uh, play to your strengths and leverage opportunities? And it could be lateral opportunities. It could be, you know, complete uh, shifting in different directions. So I found that to be really uh, helpful long-term. In the near term, I think, you know, in the goal setting season, we, we all think about, boy, what, what should I work on? Uh, I would encourage everyone to really think about what's going to help you grow the most it is it is a very vibrant market out there and as you explore you know how to grow in your job and how to grow in in your own company or potentially other opportunities can, you know emphasize the trade-off towards how how is this opportunity going to help me grow and how is it going to help you contribute the most value which inherently is more fulfilling so i think uh, that's how I would look at short-term considerations. One area that we can emphasize here is we can all grow where we are. So when we talk about growth and career, we don't necessarily mean you got to leave your job. Uh, you can learn more, get to know your customers more. You can take on stretch assignments to branch out from your day-to-day -day scope. It's really around kind of sculpting opportunities in your current job to you know, allow you to flourish and allow you to branch out a little. I would just be cautious for many of us who are, you know, very motivated and eager. This is not about just working many, many more hours. It is re really around being very intentional about how to make those trade-offs and enlist your leaders to help you. In, for leaders in particular, delegating some of the tasks to team members or others who may be looking to, to grow in your space is not simply about dumping your work on someone else. It's actually uh, helping someone grow uh, skills that they need to grow as well. So I think I, I encourage everyone to think about growing where we are, but not necessarily mean let's take on two and a half jobs at the same time. And you know, you could take on lateral moves, round out your capabilities through kind of adjacent spaces. You can take lateral moves, especially in uh, different areas to allow you to build what experts might call a more robust T-shaped career so that you can stand on some deep expertise, but then uh, have really meaningful experiences in other areas 
so that you can lead more effectively uh, across functions uh, in, in the enterprise. So diversity of experience is invaluable in terms of long-term career resilience. And if you are contemplating a significant job shift, uh, you could also consider try before you buy kind of an approach. You know, look for opportunities to job shadow someone. You could do some inter informational interviews. You can take on a short-term assignment. Join a fun cross-functional team. Uh, that's a very significant opportunity for you to really learn uh, different areas. So um, I, I think there are many ways to grow. And when you set goals for career development, think both long-term and short-term. Yeah, that is great advice. And also, you know, think vertical, horizontal. I like that you talked mm -hmm. about you can grow where you are and that growth doesn't always mean moving up. It might mean expanding mm -hmm. where you are and figuring out ways to contribute. So Roz, as someone progresses more towards senior level roles, um, the expectations are different. How can you anticipate those shifts and prepare yourself? Like, especially at Mentium, a lot of the people are just transitioning into that leadership role mm. and have noticed that there is a big shift in expectations. So right. um, yeah, I think you're the perfect person to give us perspective on this. I think that's a really nuanced question there because many of us kind of grow up with this expectation that I work hard, you know, deliver great results and I will grow as a result. And it, it, it's really important for leaders who are aspiring to grow further in the organization to take on bigger and broader scope to understand and be intentional about that pivot and the trade-offs that uh, they need to, to intentionally invest in. So for example, when, when someone first becomes a supervisor of others, uh, you make a very significant transition from being an extraordinary individual contributor to someone who has to get things done through others. It's no longer about you doing the job. It's about you getting the job done through others. Getting the job done through others requires you not to just work harder and taking care, you know, closing the deals for the team and you know, doing the installs for the team and so on. It actually is a full-time difficult job to learn how to set clear goals, to learn how to provide feedback and coaching and to learn how to manage and cultivate a healthy team dynamic. And when, you know, you hire team members onto your group, uh, you also have to learn how to assess that talent and, and help them uh, be successfully integrated into the team. So we see challenges with new leaders who don't let go of their previous job. They just take on the additional supervisory responsibilities. And it, you know that's a recipe for burnout and it disempowers the team. So when you know people step into supervisory roles, we need to help those leaders embrace the fact that making my team successful now is my full-time job. So that's a significant shift. And then for those leaders who are shifting to leaders of leaders, it is really vital for, for you to become a coach of leaders. In other words, this kind of a role requires you to lead through leaders. You lead beyond your own line of sight. 
And you need to learn to focus on systems, processes, culture, so that your team can deliver on your vision, on your strategy, even when you're not there. So your full-time job is to set up that team for success. And your full-time job is to coach the leaders on your team to run their teams effectively. So it's a significant trade-off for leaders, uh, especially we see leaders who bring a deep expertise in their own technical space. It's almost inevitable that they'll slide back into their comfort zone to become the technical expert, to become the master salesperson or to become the problem solver. The challenge obviously is that more problems you solve for the team, the more you disempower the team to learn how to solve problems on their own. So that's a very significant shift that leaders have to be willing to make. In fact, I remember, uh, I think it was Sally Helgeson and Marshall Goldsmith who did a recent book about how women rise. And one of the examples that they used is, you know, often women leaders show up working harder and bringing their body of expertise and they want to you know, become that go-to expert in that process, they neglect to do the real job of their leadership roles. So I, I remember one of the people they interviewed in their book is to say, for me to step further into leadership, broader leadership, I have to be willing to let go of being the expert. Um, so I think, you know, just being intentional, if you know that upfront, you could be more strategic about how you show up and how you develop yourself. For those who are aiming to become enterprise-level leaders, your role becomes much more about vision, much more about understanding and influencing the external market, understanding the strategy and influence that it takes to bring the entire organization forward. So you, you almost have to kind of really stop relying on your own, own expertise but learn to really create teams of great expert players with diverse expertise. And you create a team dynamic where, you know, strong leaders with diverse backgrounds can effectively work together towards a shared goal and accomplish broad strategic objectives. And you must become a master at fostering collaboration at scale. So if you're going to lead the enterprise, whichever chair you sit in, we have to build that expertise to foster collaboration um, throughout the whole enterprise. So as you can see, you know, as you progress in the organization, the expectations of the roles are different, um, the skills are different, and leaders need to embrace that rather than kind of get themselves stuck uh, in, in situations. Ross, that is so helpful the way you spell that out, because I think sometimes people struggle with the fact that being an individual contributor and all the skills they brought, that's what got them to that leadership position in the first place. Right. And it's hard to let that go. And so I think the way you describe that your mindset really has to shift, that now your job is about, you know, either developing the leaders or developing the strategy or coaching people, or it's about getting things done through your team, not through your individual efforts. And that's very different. And, and like you just said, if people are more intentional about that, that, prob that makes it a lot 
easier because you can catch yourself when you are all of a sudden being the leader and the heroic, you know, individual contributor or the expert and think, oh, no, that's not necessarily empowering my team either. Right. And I just take that slack up all the time. Mm-hmm. So Russ, the best laid plans are often disrupted by reality. And I think we've all experienced this in, in, in great numbers, you know, the last 18 months. So how can we build a career journey in the midst of constant disruption? And how can we recover from career setbacks? Yeah, in, in spite of, you know, all of our conversations about the pandemic, we, we recognize that the world moves on and, you know, market shifts and, you know, roles change and so on. So this conversation about career resilience is absolutely uh, important, especially as we think about how we're going to set goals for for the coming year. A few frameworks that have really been helpful for me. Uh, One, I learned a lot from uh, Whitney Johnson's book called Disrupt Yourself. This is a a, um, investment, you know, venture capitalist kind of investment uh, person who took the innovation S-curve concept to career development. And um, there are, you know, really many lessons that are helpful there. And the most important to me is understanding that when you're changing your role, you're traversing what typically is called the S-curve. So in other words, you kind of start out with some kind of an optimism. You take a new job, you, you, you get a new opportunity, you get promoted, you join a new company, whatever the situation, you feel optimistic, you know, that this is going to be great. And then once you get into the depth of the work, you realize this is hard. You know, all things in life look simple until you get into it and uh, it is hard and it's, you know, moments that we have to embrace to say it's a struggle, therefore I am growing. And that kind of mindset allows us to kind of work our way through those challenging moments where we don't know what we're doing, we're, we're not confident, and we're not sure we've made the right bet and so on. If we're able to persist through that struggle, often, not always, often, uh, we experience a very significant curve of upward growth where we're, we're successful, we're able to drive impact, we make a difference. You, you reach a point, whether it's six months or six years, you reach a moment where you feel kind of un, undefeatable, that you, you understand the scope of the work, you're so masterful at it, and you're very confident, you, you get a lot of kudos you're mentoring other people. So all those signs that signal that you're really successful in your role, you ought to feel great about that. Yet that's the moment of the greatest risk for disruption because the world moves and expectations move. And the lesson that I learned from that framework is really understanding that when you're on the top of your game, it's a moment for you to realize that it's time for me to learn something new. So her mantra is that rather than wait to be disrupted, professionals ought to think about how to disrupt ourselves. So in other words, find the next S-curve to start pushing yourself to struggle again and to build more confidence and build more resilience. And you go through this over and over preferably proactively so that you not only gain tremendous amount of capability and progression, but also confidence that if I did get disrupted, 
I have the muscles of what it takes to get back on my feet and work through those challenging periods in order to grow in my next opportunity. So I thought that um, that is such a helpful mind uh, framework for me to think about how to handle disruption and how to be proactive at disruption. And this is where, you know, there's a cliche that says danger in the comfort zone. And I think this is absolutely uh, a relevant concept here uh, when it comes to career disruption. The second uh, framework that was really helpful for me was in grad school, I studied Dr. Carol Dweck's work around growth mindset. And, you know, decades later, she uh, is such an influential thinker for many, for us to really think about approaching growth and challenges, either with a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And very simply, you know, there's a body of work that you can reference from Dr. Uh, Carol Dweck's resources directly, but very simply from my perspective, inevitably, we're going to encounter challenges. Do we embrace these challenges as, this is curious, I got to learn something, that didn't go well, what can I learn from that? That went really well, what can I learn from that, right? So any opportunity that we can take to kind of learn how to uh, extract the value from that, and then over time, you just gain so much more insight and wisdom and confidence versus approaching work with a fixed mindset, which often shows up as a performer's mindset, as in, I got to look effortless. I have to look on top of my game. I have to look flawless in my logic. And in that effort of trying to project that perfection, you lose all of the opportunities to actually learn something uh, from, from each encounter. So growth mindset and fixed mindset kind of show up early uh, in life. And uh, whether we're parents or teachers or leaders and colleagues, we can signal that growth mindset is a valuable approach so that I think it was John Wooden who said, you know, no victory is forever and no mistake is fatal or something to that effect that, you know, you take a growth mindset to set back, you can treat it as a learning experience from which you can bounce back with better wisdom over time. So I've really uh, extracted a whole lot of value from that framework. The third one that I really value is Cal Newport has done some really interesting work around work, you know, the the concept of deep work and the concept of craftsmanship, the idea that we all want great jobs, right? We all want great work that has great meaning and great compensation and great autonomy and great impact and great relationships and all of that. And kind of taking that craftsmanship mindset to approach work as instead of looking at what does the world have to offer for me, to instead take the mindset of what unique value can I bring to a project, to a team, to, to a company, to a community? What is it that I uniquely contribute? And that kind of kind of takes away a lot of the pressure of, you know, is this prestigious job? Is this a title? Is it the square footage of an office? Instead, to help us anchor down what is the unique and highly valuable contribution that we can bring. And 
if you treat your career with that kind of a mindset, you're more likely to grow your expertise and your unique value. Therefore, you're more likely to command better uh, uh, work opportunities. So kind of flipping that around a bit. And I find that super helpful. I, you know, I, I talk a lot of, I talk with uh, early career professionals quite a bit. And there's a lot of angst about where should I be in my career and what should I look for? And I often use this uh, framework from Cal Newport to really think about, instead of thinking about the title and the pay and the benefits of this role, think about how is it gonna help you uh, grow your unique value. So these are just some things that have been super helpful when I think about how to anticipate disruption, how to bounce back from disruption, and how to grow, you know, in spite of things that might feel like setbacks. Oh, absolutely. Um, I am going to check out all those books. I, I like that idea of disrupting yourself so that you develop those skills to be able to handle disruption based on that. I love the growth mindset work. I'm a big fan of Dr. Dweck and it's just as amazing work. And then also like that concept of craftsmanship. What value can I add? What is my unique thing that I contribute in this? And it really kind of promotes a different way of coming from that. Mm -hmm. So Roz, um, this has just been so much great information and we have time for three final questions. Um, and so the last questions are, do you have habits that you feel have contributed to your success? Boy, I have a lot of habits that don't help <laughs> but uh, uh, I think early in my life, I, my father instilled in me that uh, need and pride in education. So that continues to be something that I just uh, enjoy. It kind of uh, helps me uh, keep my day in, in focus. So I read something or learn something each day and kind of jot a note down. Um, so that's usually something that's first and foremost, I accomplish each day to kind of, you know, look at, you know, it could be industry report, it could be the latest practice, it could be just a couple pages from an author that I really respect. I just take a few minutes and take in something new. Oh, that's great. That's great habits. And I, you've given us so many suggestions of great books today, and we'll have those yeah. resources on the Mentium website that I, now I have lots of things where I can be just reading a little bit each day, yeah. on all these wonderful topics. Yeah. I love the question about habits, by, by the way, because we're in, you know, goal setting season and all of us know this, that we all make new year resolutions and then February happens. And, you know, the the, the journey to you you know to actually sustaining change is in the day to day. So um, if you haven't checked out, there's a whole body of work around habits and how to how to build systems to allow you to build habits. That you know they have such good practical tools that allow you to really and and, and build habits. And we actually integrate some of the habit building into leadership development. Um, because every leadership development experience feels kind of like a new year resolution that, you know, you're inspired, you want to be a better leader, you make a plan, and then you get busy with other things. So we actually really help our leaders think about how am I going to integrate this into my day-to-day -day routine. So I follow the work, you know, from 
the power of habits from Charles Duhigg. That was years ago. That was my first introduction to habit. And recently, we're using uh, a lot of the work from Atomic Habit from James Clear. You know, this whole idea about build a system to foster the habit building is so powerful. So, yeah, I love those authors because so much of our daily life is habit. And right. so much, you know, like you said, all the things you may want to change are habits. And how do you rework those habits that it becomes right. automated? But yeah, I, I those books are fantastic for changing mm-hmm. up the systems at Q yeah. or so Raz, what would your advice be to up-and-coming leaders? Boy, uh, it's so unique to each person. I, I think for me, just reflecting on my journey, uh, I would share that upcoming leaders can focus on being humble, serving the greater good, and improving yourself. Oh, that's great advice. And our final question, Raz, is do you have a favorite saying, quote, or motto? I do. As you know, I I study leadership a lot and a lot kind of swirls in my head, but this one just keeps showing up all the time. And I can't even tell you who's attributed to because I noticed that it's been attributed to multiple people. But he says that if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. To me, that translates literally to what I believe a leader to be. Wow, that just says it all right there. That is, that is, I'm going to write that one down. Thank you so much, Roz. And thank you so much for your expertise on navigating your career, especially during tumultuous times. You've given so many great advice, so many, so many great pieces of advice, so many great references. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is a delightful conversation. I wish everyone success in their career. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Mentium Matters podcast. I look forward to having you back next week 